Hi everybody and welcome to episode 3 of my podcast, Threads of Autism. Today's episode is titled Judgment and What It Feels Like. I will apologise in advance if I sound or come across the tone, I'm not sure, comes across a bit sort of dull. (laughs) I am so, so tired and um, thought I would say that just because I know that I'm I'm not the only one, you know, as a parent to an autistic child, you can, you know, the the deep concern, the worries, um, how they're getting on with their days, um, their vulnerability, their futures, all those things never really leave you. They're kind of always sitting on your shoulders, invisible to others, and and you kind of get along with your day like a perfectly seeming like a perfectly functioning adult and um, all these things are going on inside your mind constantly, constant detective work, constant concerns about getting their needs met, about their futures, about, you know, not wanting to change them but knowing that they have to learn certain things to to cope in this world that's not um, very accepting of them. So yes, there's, you know, every so often it just kind of, it makes you really tired. I mean, it, it must have a physical impact as well. It just makes you so kind of drained for no, you know, seemingly no reason. I slept pretty well, but um, clearly I will um, perk up. I hope, I hope this doesn't come across too dull. <laughs> just one more coffee and maybe um, some fresh air outside and um, yeah, I'll shake it off. So right, judgment. I won't go into the details of why we judge, but but clearly we all do, and, you know, all the time, every day, and I guess um, it is also a very sort of neurotypical slash social thing we do, so so here's a huge big star to stick on the uh, autistic individual chart, and that is that they, they don't judge, autistic people don't judge the way us neurotypicals do, and I'm talking about sort of very social judgments. And and yes, um, autistic people can can be very sort of um, black and white in in terms of their views, and and perhaps come across as very sort of unbending at times. But that's different, you know. Socially, they don't judge, and it's such an incredible thing about them, and something we should all um, be in awe of, and and aspire to be more like, you know. Um, I also, I'm not entirely sure we can, we can all stop ourselves from judging. I don't, I think it's, it's done on almost like a subconscious level and, and it's just part of who we are. And, and this episode certainly isn't about shouting at everybody and telling them to just stop because even, even in the autism community, we judge each other, you know, parents of autistic children judge each other too. It's, it's a shocker, (laughs) but we do, I, you know, I just, we can't stop ourselves and I think the important thing is, you know, the things we don't judge are the things we totally accept because we understand them and because we've had the information and and the education about them. So, you know, whoop, whoop, here she goes again, promoting her (laughs) own business. But if you go on to www.autismthreads.co.uk, you will find a host of products, um, captioned t-shirts, lanyards, wristbands, all Items that can be seen, worn or used whilst you're out and about in public that are visual cues that give people who don't 
have the information, you, you can give it to them. They may have already judged you, but at least they will have clocked something visual that they can read and go away and think about. And sure, some of them won't, but some of them actually will. Um, and that's where it all starts. You know, um, unfortunately, in this world, there are people that you're going to meet that are just miserable and have their own bad attitudes in life and actually don't want to learn and are quite happy with judging and they don't want to be corrected and, and it gives them, I don't know, some sort of sick satisfaction to be so jolly mean. But hey, um, those, those are the hardest ones to shake and shake them you absolutely do need to make a conscious effort to do. You have to let them go because otherwise you're just... You're actually you've, you're feeding their success of what they've just done. You know, the only person that's hurting is you. Um, they don't care. Let it go and stay focused on actually, you know, the vast majority of people out there who are so kind and who actually are willing to learn um, and judge because they don't know any better and, and are happy to, to, to have that conversation. And, you know, they won't start that conversation or ask that question unless you give them a little visual cue to do so. <laughs> it's it's really a lesson in, in life, you know. Again, I sort of think, you know, if you asked an autistic person how they are, they would never lie or, you know. And yet something in our social norms, rules, that goodness knows came from where. But, you know, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. I mean, that is the standard response do you know if they actually are fine? If there's anybody, you, you cross an, an acquaintance in the street, you don't know. Maybe they, they don't seem very polite and you walk away thinking, gosh, what's up with her? But how do you know? She's just said she's fine, but how do you actually know what's going on in her mind? What has actually happened with her day so far? And so it, it's those things to be for us all to become a bit more open-minded about and a bit more mindful of. And, and the, the weird thing is, you know, if, if <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this is true for us all. If somebody goes, if somebody did give you the truth, you would be totally thrown off balance, wouldn't you? Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm really terrible. I mean, those are the people you are thinking like, oh, let's, let's keep this short. We've got to, yeah, let's not let this drag on. Don't want to hear it. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts the way we behave. No wonder autistic individuals find us all so jolly confusing and yeah, upsetting. <laughs> so what kind of judgment am I talking about here? And, and what do we parents of autistic children and adults want you to do about it? I'll start with the latter. Firstly, we want you to believe us. Because trust me, um, we, we get judged horribly. Our children get judged and we get judged because obviously it's our fault and we're terrible parents and it happens on a daily basis and some of it is really, really horrendous. And I found that the people close to me and my family and my friends are sort of like, oh, Trish, you know, well, <laughs> the hint is almost like as if I'm, I'm getting too stressed about it, my anxieties are too high and I'm, I mean, not exaggerating, but I'm just a bit too wound up about it all because people really don't mean to be so mean. You know, and they don't. No, they don't, Trish, because they would never. And they they wonderfully accept my son Henry for who he is. But I, we need you to believe us. It happens. It really genuinely does. Um, secondly, we don't want you to normalize it in an attempt to make us feel better. And I don't 
I don't want to sort of come across as a meanie um, because I think it's something that happens on a subconscious level and actually it comes from a really good place. Of course somebody shares something with you and you try to you try to empathize as much as you can or, or put yourself in their shoes as much as you can, even though you don't live it and you don't really understand it. And so you try to make them feel better. And that's a wonderful thing to do. Um, but with parents of autistic children, it's a little bit different. And our experiences are so much more than you could ever imagine. They're so much more intense and, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to find the words to describe it. You know, it's like saying um, there was a time when my son Henry uh, refused to go to the toilet at his specialist school. So we're talking, you know, 7 a.m. taxi to school, returning maybe 4.30, quarter to five, thanks to the Pembury Road traffic, if anybody lives in Dunbridge Wells. And uh, he was not going to the toilet the entire time. And not because he didn't need it. <laughs> he absolutely did need it. It would be impossible for him not to need it. And I think of the strain, not only on his body, but his emotions and the stress and the anxiety. And it's heartbreaking. And it went on for months and months and months um, to the point where he's, you know, a seven-year-old who eventually ends up wetting his pants. And if you think they don't feel shame and embarrassment around that, you're wrong. Um, you know, the desperation for that to happen is just mortifying. And even on one occasion where where they, you know, he, they held up a blanket and, and he weed in a bucket. I mean, it just, you know, it's just insane. And then I'm obviously not revealing the, the details of this because then, then, like many, I think, autistic parents don't um, because, because then it's you don't want to actually put your own dearest and nearest friends off your own child. So you're just sort of trying to keep it level and say, look, he's, it's really worrying. He's not, I'm, I'm consumed by worry for him because he's not going to the toilet. And the friend will turn around and go, oh, you know, Johnny never went to the toilet at school either. He always waited till he got home. I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. Well, that's probably a number two, like a poo. And you know what? I don't think my husband's ever pooed in the office in London either in the corporate world he also waits till he comes home and that's all <laughs> that's absolute choice and preference if johnny desperately needed the toilet needed to wee at school he would go and find the toilet and it wouldn't be a problem uh, and also he would physically show signs that he needed it even if he was struggling which i don't know if other parents of autistic children find this but I, henry doesn't show any signs you know um so yes, please, please try and not normalize it. Thirdly, do not assume we are sort of seeking attention. I'm not going to say anymore. We're not. Trust me, we're not. <laughs> Which leads me to fourthly, if there is such a word, fourthly, on she goes. Um, you know, please know that you are a deeply trusted friend for us to be even opening up to half of what we're telling you. Um, it's a really difficult thing for us to do. And fifthly, <laughs> can I even spell that? Is it a word? Uh, just be a good listener. Be a good listener and help us by starting conversations with other people, uh, you know, outside of your home or and, and more importantly, in your home um, if if you do not 
have any personal connections to autism. Sixthly, I, I really, I will, <laughs> I'm not going to go up to tenthly, I promise. If you don't really know what to say um, or, or how to help, then, then tell your friend exactly that. Just tell them that and, and, and just ask them how it makes them feel and stop talking and listen. You know, we, we are very aware that uh, you can't solve our problems for us and how hard it is for you to really fully, truly understand because you don't live it. Um, so really, uh, and I think I speak for, for other parents of autistic children, we need to, we just need you to listen. We need to not feel judged by our close friend and just getting it off our chests and being heard is huge. We, we know you can't solve our problems. We know you can't help. Trust me, we do. Um, it's just, again, much like our kids, we just want to be understood and accepted um, for the journey that we're on, you know. And finally, <laughs> no more seventhly, please talk to your own children in your own home about autism. Um, really, this, this episode should go to school teachers across the globe, I reckon. Um, it needs, they need to be educated on it. You know, it starts with the young. They are the most incredible little human beings. And when they know um, and they are not shocked by or surprised or even scared, trust me, many children are scared of my son. Um, so you can just have a moment to think about how much that hurts as well. And um, when they know and they've been educated and they've actually been shown what all of the autism spectrum looks like and can look like, um, they are the ones who will go, oh, it's okay. Yeah, they're autistic. Um, I recognize this from, from what I've been taught at school or what my parents have talked to me at home about. Um, and it's cool. I'm good. I'm safe. They're, they're, they're fine. They're not um, in any stress or danger. And, and it's all good. And, and that's where it will, you know, the parents will automatically adjust from there. So, um, you know, please do have those conversations. And, and perhaps, you know, for all of us, it just comes down to daily rituals and reminders um, to parents of autistic children, you know, uh, when you're in those moments and you are being judged or people have said awful things to you, it's so, so hard. I know you have to just kind of, you know, yoga style ha hum and say to yourself, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. <laughs> um, I don't always remember to do that, but I have on occasion, and it really does help. Even just just breathing. Um, I do not like I do not like people advising me to just not make eye contact. Don't don't go looking for people making dirty looks at you. I just I can't do that because because I that's that's me accepting and saying it's okay for you to judge, and then they learn nothing from it. And I walk away with all the hurt and the pain about my son, my wonderful, amazing son, being judged. And I, I just, I want, I do want to, I mean, I, don't, I did used to go literally actively seeking out people's eye contact to, in quite a sort of aggressive manner, which I have stopped doing. And I have learned to pick my moments because, again, I'm, I'm the one who's, you know, they don't care. I'm the one who's letting all those hurtful looks be absorbed when maybe I could be fobbing a few of them off by just not even going there. Um, 
but I absolutely do look for opportunities to to have a conversation and and to help people learn you know one by one I'll do it one person at a time and yeah you know for the rest of us in our daily lives because it's not limited to autism the way we judge is to yeah you know make your mantra thou shalt be kind thy thou shall not judge thou shall not judge i mean i've never done this as a morning ritual so maybe i should start practicing what i preach um and i do do a lot in hindsight because of because of the journey we're on in the world i'm in with henry and you know the fact that when i'm out and about in public with henry these judgments and looks you know it's not just one in a blue moon it's it's five or six every hour um I have learned, I have learned in hindsight to sit back and go, even when I'm not with Henry and I make a, this a horrible judgment about somebody else, like, you know, what is she wearing is like often the thought that goes through my head. Um, and then I correct, and now I very quickly correct myself um, because that's what Henry's taught me, you know, and and I'm, I'm grateful for that and I hope it, it improves to the point where I don't make the judgment in the first place. And so, yes, of course, I have to end off with some actual examples. And and why do I feel like this is important to tell you all about the dreadful things people have said and done is, is so that you believe it and that you know it's out there and it happens to us and so that you you get to feel what it feels like for us and and know that you don't like it and that you're, you know, maybe even a bit shocked by it and that... I know within my own family, it is the thing that has made them go and talk to their own children and families about it and, and, and take the opportunities whenever they come up in public to, to mention their friend or sister or whatever daughter, Trish, and her son, which perhaps wouldn't have happened otherwise, you know. And so, yeah, so, so what are some of the classics, you know, that I'll never, ever, ever, ever for the rest of my life ever forget? Um <laughs> oh gosh going years back we were um spoiled expats in Singapore and I was sitting by the pool at the British club as you do um with my son Henry who um, I'm so super proud of because you know he he he's water safe he absolutely loves being in the water it's taken an enormous amount of work to get him water safe and um, he was having a great little time and I could actually for once sit and watch and I was doing that and you know three four sun lounges down is another mummy with her glass of wine in hand and her toddler um, who was also swimming around and decided to befriend Henry and I'm like oh here we go and um, like you do you just you know let's not not jump to be defensive or anything so I just sat and let it roll out for a bit and this boy was not giving up. <clears throat> Henry was obviously not able to speak to him. And he got closer and closer and more and more into Henry's personal space to the point where Henry pushed him away. And mommy, who'd already um, been copying me a few looks and seeming a bit irritated, um, because obviously if her son's got someone to play with, she can have another glass of wine. And um, I just decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to nip this in the bud. I'm going to stand up and be brave and, and stand up for my son. And of course, what do I do? Which I now, you know, ad break, <laughs> that I now never do, thanks to my wonderful Fashion for a Cause t-shirt that has the slogan, no apology on it. 
Um, I go up and I go, um, it's unisex, by the way. <laughs> so yes, I go up to this woman and I go, I'm so sorry. Ugh. My son is autistic. He's nonverbal. He doesn't speak. And she looked at me and she said, sure he is. That's everybody's excuse these days. He needs discipline and you're a mum. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you can... I just don't know what you can respond to that with. And, and clearly I didn't. And, you know, worse than that, she, you know, loudly and vocally, so I could hear, took her son away from Henry and taught him to come away from that horrible, rude little boy. Yeah, charming. Um, roll forward a few years and back in the UK and I'm at a lunch with some people, some I didn't know, some I did, and the lady next to me said, you know, autism comes up, and me explaining Henry, and she turns to me and says, have I given myself time to grieve for the son I'm never going to have? Yeah, just um, just let that sink in, yeah? Astonishingly, I, I took it as well. This, this need to be polite and not make people feel bad about themselves is just ridiculous. But um, yeah, that one that one's going to stay with me, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on forever, you know, and also just to say that sometimes it's, it's, it's not the comments, it's the looks that you never get a chance to correct or have a conversation about that, that hurt even more. Um, you know, I keep thinking of that, that recent ad on TV with the, um, online abuse about the, some of our famous athletes and how those words just bashed out on Twitter or wherever can feel like physical scars on your skin, like you're being burnt with your useless whatever on your arm. And, and that's what these looks feel like. Every single one feels like a burn mark, a scar to all of us autistic parents and, and to autistic children. You know, I don't get the opportunity to hear from Henry how it feels and I'm, I'm not sure he's I mean I want to say he's not aware of it but I actually think that's a lie um you know so the double whammy for parents who know that they're feeling the scars and so are their children it's not right man it's just not right and um yeah oh last final classic one you know that that sort of break we had in the COVID years so I mean if you think this is olden day stuff it's not um my husband had a job in Geneva, so he was there Monday to Friday. Thankfully, that has ended. <laughs> and I took Henry on a trip to Geneva to see his apartment and get a visual and just spend some time with, with Dad. And we were coming back, and I could just feel it on the flight. I could, you know, just the hairs on the back of my neck. I could sense that, what is it that we do? Like, you feel, um, you know, this guy, he basically is like seven rows back, um, a man, and he, just, he, he, he wants to make eye contact with me. He wants to give me that dirty look as if to go, what are you doing on a flight with a kid like that kind of thing, you know? Um, you know, bearing in mind that Henry is now behaving absolutely fantastically. Um, and again, I will dedicate maybe more episodes to, to flying. Um, you know, he just has, he makes some unusual noises and he flaps his hands and things like that. But he was being absolutely brilliant. And this man just, I just thought, no, I'm not going to rise to it. I'm not going to rise to it. We stand up to get off the flight, which is always a difficult time for Henry because it's so congested. It's, it's hot. It's people grabbing bags all around your head. It's a queue. Um, 
you know, he gets a little bit agitated and frustrated, but it's so mild now compared to where this journey began <laughs> with flying. And um, off we go. I could just feel this guy's eyes digging into the back of my neck. And then I'm saying to myself, you're being ridiculous. You know, don't, don't be silly. That's not true. Off we go. We're on the travelator um, going to the whatever passport check. And this guy makes a beeline for us. And he literally, I mean, he practically spits on me and looks at Henry and then back at me and goes he's a freak and storms off as fast as he can I mean <laughs> I just you know if he'd stayed within reaching distance I think I, I think I might have thrown a punch you know I think I might have thrown a punch <laughs> and I do recall dropping my bag and holding my fists up I really do um oh my god just how dare he and and then of course you know 20 minutes later the, the sadness kicks in and I mean I, I must have cried for days so so yeah charming way to end this episode I'm sure many of you have stories of your own I do hope to in the future invite parents of autistic children on as guests and if they you know potentially they they can choose which one of these episode topics they'd like to discuss and and we can share a few more. Yes, please do. If you are loving these episodes, please do leave me a review. You can do that on podchaser.com or actually wherever you are listening to the episode from, like Apple Podcasts, you can scroll down and leave a review. And don't worry if you don't see it straight away. I know Apple in particular uses real humans to assess all the reviews and podcasts, so it may take a few days to come through. And, and thank you, thank you so much in advance. Have a great couple of weeks and we'll be back soon. Bye.